Get your education at a university that is career-driven and Christ-minded. Since 1971, Liberty's mission of training champions for Christ has been the foundation for its exceptional academic and NCAA Division I athletic programs. With over 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty University can help you take the first step toward the future you've been dreaming of. Learn more by texting EXPLORE to 49596. Again, that's EXPLORE to 49596. Good evening and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Happy Resurrection Day to all of our listeners and welcome to another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah. I'm the Ministry Assistant at Heritage. And tonight we are taking a one-week break from our series on the Book of Romans to focus on the Resurrection. As always, if you would like to join our conversation or if you'd like prayer, we have call screeners standing by and they can be reached at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, a question for you as we get going here tonight. So when's the last time you went to a sunrise service? A sunrise service? Why Why would you ask me about that? I, although I did mention one. You did. You this, mentioned it this morning. Did you yeah. raise your hand and say yeah, that you might come? Mm-hmm. So maybe next year we'll have a sunrise service out on the West Side Highway? Yeah, you know is the that, sun rises in the I, east. I so. know, I know, but there's no really good place to stand on the east. To come back. That's true. That's but true. the West Side Highway is kind of cool. <laughs> I, I know. Do you think we'll see the sunrise over there? Or will the Empire State... I think the sun- I will get lighter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, so to answer your question, I remember a sunrise service when I was at Bible college, and I had just met my wife, and, man, I was just really interested in her and basically in love with her. Yeah. Like, yeah. and guess who, and I didn't ask her for a date to the sunrise service because you could do that, but right. I went with my roommate, so I'm sitting there with my roommate, and who's walks into the sunrise service right after me, but Debbie with another guy on a what? date. And I was so <laughs> jealous. I mean, I was trying to keep in the spirit yeah. on that resurrection morning, you know? And so, uh, but my wife got the right man. I <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that was, that was, I think, the last sunrise service. That was so. the last one. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, but... But praise the Lord, Jesus is risen, and Amen. this day is always special. People come to church, and you're just excited. There was such a great spirit mm-hmm. in the service this morning, and it is awesome this evening to have with us three of the wonderful, incredible young women of God in our church, and so we want to welcome this evening Netsi or Eunice Livioko, and Nana Zhang and Danielle Livioko, two sisters and Nana in the middle, yep. to come and share with us this evening. So, Netsi, how was how was your trip here? 
It was pretty good, Pastor. It, it, yeah, it was yeah. a good Sunday. It was Resurrection Sunday. The choir right. did really well, and I high-fived everyone, including the ground. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a lovely lunch at a Thai restaurant, and we were talking along on the sidewalk, and it was one of those defective sidewalks we were talking and just laughing and all of a sudden you were high-fiving me and all of a sudden you weren't there (laughs) so i knew i'm glad you're okay and and you did get a little scrape but i know you'll heal fast okay so it's great to have you and danielle we're so happy to have you here with us and in our church these days, and God bless you. Glad to be here. Yeah, and you started school this semester. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. And, and what are you studying? So I'm currently studying digital multimedia design. Okay, great. And that's what Eunice did before you. Yes. Yeah. And, and we have with us Nana. Now, Nana comes every Sunday mm-hmm. and usually helps with different things, and sometimes she has read scripture here, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But Nana, thank you for being here with us on, as one of our panelist guests this evening. Thanks for having me, Pastor. Okay, and we, we go back a long way. I picked you up when you were much smaller for vacation Bible time, didn't I? Yeah. You and your sister and your mom even came at the beginning because Jackie was so so little. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're just so happy to have you seeing you continue to grow. So we're going to do something a little different tonight. We're yeah. going to do this timeline of events on this first Resurrection Day. And putting the gospel accounts of the resurrection together, it's, it's not easy to do. And it's mm-hmm. sort of like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And we, we do wonder how these narratives fit together because we have a lot of, a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving mm-hmm. elements. Mm-hmm. There's angels inside and outside the tomb. There's earthquakes. There's soldiers. There's meetings with men and women and skeptics even of these accounts say that th- these accounts are hopelessly irreconcilable mm. and even contradictory. So a couple of years ago, I came across an article by a man named Gene White. So I, I don't know him, mm-hmm. but I read this article online, and it's called The Resurrection of Jesus Christ, A 22-Point Harmony of the Four Gospels. And you, if you Google for that, you could find it. His name, again, is Gene White, so I want to give him full credit. We're going to follow his timeline in his article that he published, and he says it's it's open as well. It's, mm-hmm. there's, there, it's, anyone said, can use it. Anyone yeah. can use it, so we're using it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's called, again, The Resurrection of Jesus Christ, A 22-Point Harmony of the Four Gospels. So we're going to use that this evening. And as we get into the study, we're mm-hmm. going to ask uh, Brother Mike if you could lead us out in prayer. Sure. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for this day, Lord, as we remember the resurrection of your Son, Lord. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that as we discuss it, Lord, we remember um, the truth of the gospel and the truth of this chronology, Lord, of all the events that happened, Lord, and let us even just be transported as if we were there on that day, Lord. So we pray that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, we're going to do this a little different. I'm not going to ask so many questions. I'm just going to say, okay, read that passage and make some comments about it. So that's what we'll do. So, Micah, we're going to start here with you as you read from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 2. And and give us uh, some little feedback on that passage. Sure. Um, you know, did we want to ask Eunice beforehand if she's ever, you know, seen a movie, read a book, or anything that had some sort of chronology where there's, you know, different characters, different timelines, and then they all merge together at the end? Just to give almost like an example of what we're facing here with the four different Gospels. Like, have you ever experienced that, Eunice? Sorry, yes, before I... Yeah, so um, I could think of so many examples to give here, but I think one that uh, stands out is something I grew up with mainly throughout my teenage years, which were actually the first, I don't know, um, 23 Marvel movies, um, because they all had 
each of these movies represented a different perspective, focused on a main character, yeah. but towards the end, which was the Endgame movie, they all um, concluded to show that it was actually all part of one big storyline, mm. and they all suddenly said, oh, this is actually the conclusion. And what's interesting, I mean, growing up, I found that really cool. It's even cooler to know that in the Bible we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John show their perspectives of Christ's resurrection. And there might be different details that show up there, but I don't think it means that they contradict each other, but Mm -hmm. they actually contribute to a fuller Mm -hmm. picture of Christ's resurrection. Amen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Nutsi, for that. Yeah, so Micah, if you could read in Mark chapter 16. Sure, I'll start us out. Mark 16, 1 and 2, it says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, that first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. So the day begins, and each one of the four Gospels mentions that Resurrection Day was on the first day of the week. So we know that that's Sunday. And each Gospel also mentions that the women went to the tomb at daybreak. But they say it different ways. So Matthew says, as it began to dawn. Mark says, at the rising of the sun. Luke says, very early in the morning. And John says, when it was yet dark. So we put these descriptions together, and we understand that the women, they gathered and left Bethany while it was still dark. But by the time they walked the two-mile journey to Jerusalem, probably a total of about an hour, the sun had risen. And then next we look at the list of women who came to the tomb with intentions of anointing Jesus' body. So remember, they had followed Joseph of Arimathea after the crucifixion to see the place where Jesus was buried. So when we consider and put together the four accounts, we see that it was Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, Salome, Joanna, and other women, quote. So we can conclude that the group was comprised of at least six women and probably more. And one thing I thought was interesting is there may have been up to five different women there named Mary at the tomb, and they Mm. came bearing myrrh to anoint the body. So I find this amazing because the name Mary and the word myrrh both come from the Hebrew word for bitter. So it's amazing to me that God turned this, what they thought would be a bitter morning, into something eternally sweet. Yeah, so that's just the first point of this 22-point outline. In other words, so we see that they left their homes in the dark, mm-hmm. but by the time they get to the tomb, the sun is rising. Mm. So that we come to the second point, Danielle, and if you could please read for us Matthew chapter 28, verses 2 through 4. Okay, so Matthew 28, verse 2 to 4. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. So as Mary um, and Mary Magdalene were on their way to Jesus' tomb, an earthquake happened, and because an angel had descended from heaven to roll the tombstone away, and set and set upon the stone, and the the Bible describes the angel's appearance to be like lightning with garments as white as snow. And it's interesting to note that the angel's appearance was so strikingly powerful mm-hmm. that the tomb keepers became um, as dead men from fear mm-hmm. of the angel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think too what interesting about this timeline now is he puts a gap between verse 4 and verse 5. And so we're going to leave Matthew now at verse 4, and we're going to jump pretty much into into 
John as far as as a, as a timeline kind of continues, but the thing that that's important as far as in this timeline is mm-hmm. I I I kind of thought that when the ladies got there that they skipped up through the Roman soldiers, you know, that the Roman soldiers yeah. were shaken mm-hmm. with fear. Mm-hmm. Kind of that's how I just read Matthew yeah. all by itself. Mm-hmm. But then when you put the timeline together, we'll see that the soldiers by the time the women actually get to the tomb, mm-hmm. as we'll see next, the soldiers have probably gone. So Netsy, I hope I didn't take too much of your question there, but if you could read Mark chapter sixteen verses 3 and 4 to follow up on that. Yes, sure, Pastor. So Mark 16, 3 and 4, And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very large. For So in this passage, the women were walking to the tomb, and they were wondering who might roll the stone away. But when they arrived, the stone was already rolled away. The angel wasn't there, the soldiers fled, and the tomb deserted. So in Mark and Luke, um, it wasn't mentioned that the guards were there. So it was clear that by the time they arrived, the guards weren't there. Mm, yeah, I think that's important. And so, and even to emphasize there, because truly, if the Roman soldiers were there, they would have limited access to the women to get to the tomb mm-hmm. because their job was to still guard it. Yeah. So the fact that they they weren't there, I believe it's it's evidenced by the fact that here uh, they're not mentioned. So, Eunice, what is a lesson that we can learn from the women here because they were worried about who would roll the stone away, but when they got there, they realized the stone was already rolled away, so they really didn't have to worry in the first place. So what's a lesson about worry from this passage? Um, that's an interesting question, Pastor, because I could actually very much relate to that. Um, I think if someone were to ask me, what was, what's your biggest fear? I think my biggest fear is actually not being on top of things. And it comes from a place of wanting to make sure I'm responsible, diligent, that I'm doing what I have to do and I'm doing a good job. But as um, we actually spoke about or was uh, discussing the sermon this morning, sometimes we have these false expectations mm-hmm. and we now fall into this trap of fear and I would admit that I have a tendency to be a control freak. Mm -hmm. So now you can just fall into this um, trap in your head that now you that would lead to either being sad. It could affect your day to day life or affect your sleep. And I would think that there's actually two main things that it can affect Um, for myself. It can be a big thing or a small thing. A big thing, for example, was about almost seven years ago, I was in the middle of making a decision if I were to pursue uh, the journey of becoming an immigrant to the U.S. And in that, to make that decision, there Mm -hmm. was a lot of factors involved and there were a lot of what ifs. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I just fully gave in to the fear, the worry, I probably would not be here Mm -hmm. almost seven Mm -hmm. years after. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I, I think I did everything I could learned to let go of things and actually as i was going through it god opened doors i never thought he would open so Mm -hmm. i just trusted in him um but that's just that's a big decision but also in our day-to-day lives like for me at work i worry a lot about what if i didn't delegate this what if i didn't say this what if i didn't write it down and then it just affects my mood throughout the day and it just ruins my day um i realized that when i learned to pause and actually step back and just surrender and pray to God 
there comes like a piece in my head. So I guess going back to the women um, in this in this story back in history, if they just remembered uh, Christ's promises, mm-hmm. they actually would not have had to worry. Mm. Absolutely. Worry is something that we all have major issues with in life. And part of my testimony is just dealing with fear as a young man and becoming a man. I was overcome with so much fear that I didn't know what to do with it. And that actually is what brought me to Christ, mm. just because I, I knew I needed him to grow up and become the man that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And that's true. You know, mm-hmm. I did need him yeah. to become the man I wanted to be. And so fear can be can work to a good thing to drive us to the Lord, to trust in him. And that's what the psalmist said. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And and Eunice, I, I praise God for your journey that you have had these seven years because we've witnessed it and we've seen the Lord work in your life. And we've also seen your trust in God, how you have walked with God through this and you've always asked prayer and you've never doubted. You've never, at least from what I've seen, you, you always had a, a very positive spirit. You believe God was with you and he was with you through the process. And so pray, praise the Lord. We just rejoice in your faith and victory won. And we do wonder who is going to roll those stones away for us, don't mm-hmm. we, Mike? And maybe some of our listeners are out there tonight and you have a big stone in your life. Maybe it's maybe it's an immigration journey and you're wondering how you can remain here legally or maybe it's a financial problem or a health problem, but you have that big stone. Maybe it's cancer. Who? How is this cancer going to be overcome? Who is going to roll the stone away? That's a good sermon, mm, by the that way. Is good. Who's going to roll the stone away? Maybe that'll be yes. next year. I'm going to work on that one. But that... Just you could just take that thought and develop yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But dear friends, you have a big stone in front of you, and you're wondering how how am I going to get married? Or you want to have children? How am I going to? Uh, how are we going to conceive and have a child? Who's going to roll this stone away? Give us a call. We want to pray with you about the big stone that is blocking your pathway mm. to the presence and power of Jesus Christ in your life. Give us a call at 929-333-3739. That's the phone number tonight, 929-333-3739. And there's somebody out there with a lot of fear. And that fear is maybe very oppressive and controlling in your life. And you don't have to let it be because God can roll that stone away. Mm. You have to trust him for that. We want to hear from you now at 929-333. Three seven three nine. Okay, yeah, you're good. All right, so we're going to uh, move ahead here, Micah, and so we're really on the timeline now. Is we're up to number seven or so in that twenty-two point outline, mm-hmm. and we're going to read here, Micah. If you could read Luke chapter twenty-four and verse three. Sure, Luke twenty-four three. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. So at this point, all the women were still together in one group. And this is the first time that they enter the tomb. When they go in, they see that Jesus' body is not there. And because the guards are gone and they haven't encountered any angels yet, they have no indication of why his body is missing. They're completely perplexed. Um, It is important to note that they do not meet the angels until after some amount of time. So we don't know how long that was, but Luke 24.4, the next verse, it starts out by saying, and it came to pass. So that means some time had passed. So in the absence of that angelic angelic encounter and explanation Mm. to the women, at this point, it helps us understand what happens next. Yes. 
And so now, as we're in Luke 24, 3 in Luke's gospel, and Micah, you make an excellent point that verse 4 says, and it came to pass. So mm-hmm. there is, that indicates a gap of time mm-hmm. between verse 3 and verse 4. Mm-hmm. And that's where I found this timeline very interesting and helpful because yeah. here he goes into John's gospel. And we're going to go really from verse 1 in John's gospel pretty much all the way down to verse 17. Mm. That is is what happens next mm-hmm. before some of these other events in the other gospel accounts. So we're going to now uh, go over to Nana. And if you could read for us John chapter 20 and verses 1 and 2 and then comment as you feel so led. Okay, so John twenty one to 2. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. So... This point of view is focused on Mary, and mm-hmm. she runs from the tomb to get Peter and John, yeah. and she knew of the place where they were lodging in Jerusalem, and she tells Peter that the Lord is not in the tomb, and she does not know where he is. Up to this point, she has not seen the angels or Jesus, and she does not know what has happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I find it interesting here too, Nana, what, that Mary is so immersed in her pain that... She she now gets a narrative in her brain, <laughs> and then she'll even repeat it later on. And the narrative is, they have taken away the Lord mm. out of the sepulcher. And was that true? No, that wasn't true. But yet, she believed something mm-hmm. that wasn't true just because she didn't see the body of Christ. She made an assumption. Mm-hmm. She made an assumption mm-hmm. that the body of Christ had been taken away. So we'll, we'll think about that. But uh, Nana, then to follow up on that question or, or this, this passage, as this passage does focus us in on Mary, and we know from the other Gospels that the other women arrived with her. But here, John just references Mary. So is it strange then that Mary, when she sees what's inside she doesn't see the body. She assumes the body of Jesus has been stolen or taken away. That Mary herself runs to get Peter and John while the other women stay behind. I don't think it is strange that the women separated because it makes sense that John's focus is on Mary mm-hmm. and not the other women because it was Mary who ran to tell Peter and him. Mm-hmm. From John's point of view, this was uh, the relevant perspective. So as far as as it is strange that the women separated, I still don't think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. and actually, too, Mark would agree with that, right? Mark's gospel would agree with that mm-hmm. because... Yeah, well, I was just going to mention that, um, you know, sometimes if something traumatic happens, you know, people react different ways. So I, I just, I don't think it was weird that right. Mary had separated from them. And me and Nana were talking before, and we were talking about, you know, sometimes if there's like a missing child... You know, some people stay where the child was last seen okay. in case the child comes back. Some people go to the police. Some people go looking for that child. That's so different point. people separate yeah. and go different ways. But and, but and I was going to say that Mark's gospel clearly says that Jesus appears to Mary first. Mm-hmm. So Mary had to separate 
from the other women. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. so this yeah. shows that there was a separation of Mary mm-hmm. from the other women, yeah. because then when she comes back, Jesus is going to appear to Mary mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. So we do have a phone call. Why don't we take our call from our great brother, Jamie, who's a longtime listener of the Heritage of Faith program, and even came to know Jesus through this program, right, Brother Jamie? So great to hear back from you tonight. Happy Resurrection Day there, Pastor. Thank you, Jamie. Happy Resurrection Day to you as well, dear brother. Okay. Now, I got a question that I, I, I find hard to, you know, get my head around sometimes. I mean, it's not like I don't believe it. I believe it. I believe every word in the King James Bible. But Jesus died approximately 3 p.m. on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Three days later, he was, he, you know, rose from the dead, right? But that's like two days. If I, if I was to go out to you for lunch on a Friday, like 2 p.m., and I say, hey, that's great, I'll see you in three days. We'll do it again. That would be Monday, right? <laughs> now, I think that back then, I could be wrong, could be wrong, it doesn't matter yeah. if I'm wrong, but I think back then they didn't understand the concept of zero. Could be wrong, hmm. but, you know, it, it just doesn't compute to me, but I believe it. I believe that, you know, he rose yeah. three days later. But. Well, you know, here's the thing, Jamie. There's two things I could mm-hmm. say on this. I, I, and to me, I've never done a full bore study on this just because perhaps I'm not that interested in it, but it's what day did Jesus die? Mm-hmm. Now, the traditional day that many people say he died is Friday. But some people say he died on Wednesday Mm -hmm. in order to have a full 24 hours. Some people say then, obviously, as well, that he died on Thursday. And some people say he died on Friday. The reason I don't make an issue of it is the fact is he died. (laughs) That's the important thing. I don't really believe it's important what day he died. In other words, that's not fundamental Mm -hmm. to our faith at all. Mm -hmm. So you make a good point. And perhaps there's truth to that. But the way I simply look at it myself is in Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 15, it says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, the third day. So if he died on Friday, that's Mm -hmm. that's one day he died. And then on Friday, and then Saturday he was still dead, and then Sunday is the third day in that sense. From Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday would be the third day. So that's just a simple way to look at it. But, I mean, other people would take issue with that, and that's okay. I mean, if if somebody wants to believe that Jesus, by conviction, died on Thursday, I have absolutely zero issues with that, you know? Yeah, But, but, but he died before the Sabbath, so that would be a Friday. Yes, he definitely died before the Sabbath. That's clear from the right. Scripture. Yeah. yeah. So that okay. would be Friday. Okay, Jamie. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Right. Thanks for the good question. I appreciate that. And okay. I, Pastor, well, I was just going to say, I've also heard that in the Jewish way that they reckon days, that any part of a day equaled a day. Right. So, so when they say three days, they right. are saying Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now, Danielle, you get the prize of winning the long or reading the longest passage of scripture I think just about in our program tonight. So we're going to go to John chapter 20 and read verses 3 through 10 which tells how Peter and John run to the empty tomb. All right. So in John 20 verse 3 to 10 it says Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. 
So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself, then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. So the Bible gives, um, really describes the condition of Jesus' grave clothes in verses 6 to 7. It was, it was as if they were in an orderly manner, and it was like a chrysalis. Mm. And it's, it's impossible to imagine, like, how could this happen unless a miracle had occurred? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. In, in other words, if Jesus' body was stolen which is a lie that will be later, we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. They would never have taken the grave, they would not have taken, a thief, a robber would not have taken the grave clothes off. What I also find interesting here is the mention of the grave clothes Mm -hmm. in such detail Mm -hmm. by John. And the reason is, at least one of the reasons, is that there were no angels. (laughs) When there's angels in the tomb, Mm -hmm. They, they generally don't talk about the grave clothes mm-hmm. because the angels, <laughs> yeah. they soak up all the attention. I mean, the brightness and the glory. The, the, the glory. Mm-hmm. But because there were no angels, the grave clothes is what's obvious there. Yeah. And thank God for that, that, mm-hmm. that we get this picture of the grave clothes mm-hmm. because Danielle, who saw the grave clothes and then believes at the, uh, that Jesus is alive just based on what he sees in these grave clothes. So at this point, it's John who believes that Jesus has resurrection. The condition of Jesus' grave clothes was enough evidence for him mm. to believe that Jesus is alive. Mm-hmm. And it's mentioned in Luke 24, verse 12, that Peter does return to the tomb by himself, and he wonders what has happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Michael, what, did you have a comment about this? You know, I can't uh, read this passage and not think of the Shroud of Turin, of course. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's supposedly the burial linens of Jesus Christ, which, at the very least, it definitely has an image of a crucified man imprinted in blood and plasma on the cloths. And while we could say a whole lot about the Shroud, the one thing I'll mention is that there is scientific evidence that something like a nuclear event happened in order to create the image on the Shroud. And I've heard serious scientists actually describe what must have occurred to make that image and how it couldn't have happened naturally. And they've actually used every imaginable modern method to try to recreate the shroud, and they're not able to do it even now. You right. know, this thing is, right. by, by any standards, it's at least a 1,000 years old, and we think it's 2,000 years old, but they've tried every imaginable method to recreate it, and they can't. So that tells us that it is, as Daniel said, a miracle. Yeah, because the resurrection body of Christ passed through... Mm-hmm the grave clothes. Yeah. He didn't like resuscitate, revive, and then unwrap, unwrap himself yeah. because the grave clothes, as Danielle said, were not unwound in a long jumbled mess, mm-hmm. but they were more like collapse. They yeah. were lo- more like, as you said, a chrysalis, a butterfly chrysalis, and a butterfly doesn't pass through the chrysalis, he breaks through it, but it's, it's as if Jesus passed through the grave clothes and then they were just collapsed because the grave clothes were heavy. They're about 100 pounds weight. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, it is amazing. And John, by the evidence of, of the grave clothes alone, 
he is really the first one, I believe, that we would say believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where it says uh, in that verse, where, where did it say that, that he believed um, in, in that particular verse, where that, oh boy, I know it's, it's in here something, some, Simon Peter went in, see if the clothes lie, and then went in that other, oh yeah, verse 8, where it says, I'm sorry, then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. That is awesome. He saw what he saw Mm -hmm. led him to faith. I'm sorry, my eyes are going. I can't see. It's like, where is that? You know, it's a little more. uh, Okay. So here we go, Micah. And if you could continue now this reading in John, because now we go from 11 down to verse 17. Sure. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. So Peter and John have left, but Mary stays at the tomb and still wondering what had happened to Jesus' body. She bends down and looks into the tomb one more time. This time she sees two angels dressed in white sitting where Jesus' body had been laid. And John gives some incredible detail here saying one angel was sitting at the head and one angel was sitting at the feet. And I was once in a Bible study, Pastor, where a friend of mine pointed out that this configuration sounded just like the Ark of the Covenant come to life because that golden box where God's presence was Mm -hmm. residing was to be designed with two golden cherubim angels sitting on top. Then there's a short exchange where the angels ask Mary why she's crying, and she answers that someone has taken away Jesus' body, and she doesn't know where they've taken him. And then just then, Mary senses someone in the garden, and she turns and walks to see who it is. Well, that's, that's so amazing. And, and let's, let's also make clear this point that Mary is the first one amongst the women mm-hmm. or the disciples to see an angel mm. at this point. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not so clear from Matthew Mark and Luke, it seems like they see an angels mm-hmm. right away when they first go to the tomb. Yeah. But that's what's so interesting about this timeline. There's mm-hmm. this break in the early parts of the Matthew and, and Mark and Luke accounts, mm-hmm. and then we come into this John account, and this is all happening. Mm-hmm. So Mary's the first one who sees the angels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then who does she meet? Well, she meets Jesus, only she doesn't recognize him. And I'm going to assume that Jesus is some distance away, and Mary doesn't have a direct view of his face, so she assumes he must be the gardener. When Jesus asks her the same question the angels did, why weepest thou? Mary says that if he, the gardener, had taken away the body of Jesus, she would come and get him and take the body herself. And then as they're talking, Mary makes her way closer to him, and then Jesus says her name, Mary. And Mm. finally she recognizes him. 
Jesus makes his first post-resurrection appearance to Mary, and the fact is corroborated, as you said earlier, in the book of Mark. So at this point, Mary is alone with Jesus, and the other women are perhaps nearby, somewhere outside the tomb, but they do not see Jesus talking to Mary. Yeah, she's outside the tomb, and Jesus meets her, meets her out, out and about. Okay, so we're going to take a break right here, and we're going to go to a song, dear friends. And it's a song, of course, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we, we know this song will encourage you that He is risen indeed. Indeed means with all fact. This is an absolute certainty. He is risen indeed. And we invite you to give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. Perhaps if you need prayer for your faith to believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ or to live out the resurrection, give us a call at 929 929- Three three three, three seven three nine. Because He is risen, and we want to encourage you tonight. We want to pray with you? Give us a call right now. Nine two nine three 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 seven three nine. How can it be the one who died has borne our sin through sacrifice to conquer every sting of death? Sing.
Yes, He is, dear friends. Jesus lives. He's alive. Call upon Him. Ask Him to save you if you've never done that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. So, Micah, we did have a phone call from one of our dear men in the church, Leon, and Leon had a question. Could you, because of time, if you could just answer that question. Yeah, he had a question why Jesus waited three days to rise again versus just instantly resurrecting after he was killed. And it's a good question, Um, and I will say that there are two answers to that. So in Matthew 12, 39 through 40, Jesus talks about Jonah, and he says, you know, they're asking him for a sign, the Pharisees, and he says, but I'm not going to give you a sign. The only sign you're going to see is the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jonah was a type. Even though Jonah was a literal person and that literally happened to Jonah, he was a type of Christ and was in the belly of the whale for three days. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just give one more type here. So we all know that Isaac, um, Abraham sacrificing Isaac, was also a type of Jesus being sacrificed. And in Genesis 22, verse 4, it says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off where he was then going to go and sacrifice Isaac. Yeah, plus he, the third day shows he was dead. Mm-hmm. He actually died. He hadn't just fainted. Right. Three is that number of completion. Mm-hmm. He was, he w- and, and no one can argue that he didn't literally and completely fully die. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go to Luke chapter 24, Eunice, yep. and if you could read verses 4 through 8 of Luke 24. Okay, Luke 24, verses Four through eight, and it came to pass as they were much perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. So in this passage, um, as Mary leaves the tomb, the two angels appeared to the women as they were still worrying and doubting. Uh, they were reminded by the angels that of Christ's promises. And I think mm. it's very interesting to note throughout the passages that we've read in uh, tonight, there's this constant theme of doubt and fear and worry. And whenever we are reminded of Christ's promises, we are able to find peace because Mm. at the end of the day we can surrender everything to him and we are his promises have never failed us amen praise god that's absolutely right eunice thank you and uh, dear friends jesus christ is alive many witnesses are now seeing that the tomb is empty the angels are now appearing to mary first and now to these other women and what what again we're saying in this timeline is there is a gap between verse 3 where they entered in. So we're saying that the women entered into the tomb, and that would include Mary Mm -hmm. at first, right? Mm -hmm. And that they entered in, they found not the place. So at that point, Mary would have left the tomb and gone to get Peter and John. Mm -hmm. And then the other women then would have just stayed around the tomb area. And then it says, and it came to pass as they were much perplexed. Um, So this would have all happened after Mary sees the angel, after Mary meets Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now the women here uh, meet the 
the, the, these two angels. So, and I would just say, in all honesty, that to put all these four gospel accounts together, it's not an easy task. Right. And there's always going to be some problem where you say, hmm, that doesn't sound right to me. And so I think the weakness of this timeline is this gap or this break between Luke chapter 24, verses 3, and then verse 4. Mm-hmm. But I think it can also fit together, Micah. Mm-hmm. So, And that's why God gave us all four of the gospels. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Nana, if you could now read for us Mark chapter 16 and verse 5 through 8. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. So I noticed that the women entered the tomb and saw another angel inside the empty tomb, and the mm-hmm. angel tells them, He is risen. He is not here. Then the angel commands the woman to tell the disciples and Peter that he is alive. So one thing I notice is that in verse 5, it specifically states that the women were frightened, and then in verse 6, the angel specifically says to not be frightened. Mm-hmm. And this fits with every other example of an angel appearing in the Bible. The angels always start by saying, do not fear, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it was to Mary, the shepherds, or Zacharias. Mm-hmm. And even the guards at the tomb fell down like dead men in fear when the angels appeared. Yeah. And one other interesting detail is that the angels said, tell disciples and Peter. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of redundant because mm-hmm. wasn't Peter a disciple? Mm-hmm. But the angels may have mentioned, Peter specifically because he needed that special encouragement since he had denied Jesus Christ three days before. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Yeah, and so and now here's another thing. So the the Luke passage that Eunice had read, there were angels outside the tomb, mm-hmm. and now they go in the tomb, mm-hmm. and this angel is even described differently because he says a young man mm-hmm. sitting on the right side clothed in a in a long white garment. And so this is another angel that they see. And so I think to, to make that clear as well. So, Micah, as we continue, now we go back to Matthew's Gospel, mm-hmm. chapter 28, verses 9 through 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Matthew 28, 9 and 10. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. So a key thing to understanding that there's no contradiction here is that Mary Magdalene is separated from the other women. Jesus had appeared to her first. Um, we actually got a caller, Freddie, asking about which Mary was it. It was Mary Magdalene that uh, Jesus appeared to first. And around that same time, the angels were appearing to others. So Mary's having her conversation. Maybe the angels are appearing to the other women at that point. So now as the other women follow the angels' instructions to go and tell the disciples that Jesus has ri- risen, Jesus encounters them on the way. So this is the first time that they see Jesus. They fall down at his feet to worship him. And before long, he commands them to go and tell the disciples that he is alive and to head back to Galilee. 
Yes. And and so um, we're going to take a call here. Let's take a call from my wife. And hey, Sister Debbie, good to have you. And we're we're up against the clock, but if you want to make a comment about the three days and three nights, you're on. Yes, thank you, Pastor. So I just wanted to say sometimes when you're interpreting the Bible for yourself, if you just add a few English words, it makes more sense. And the idea of at most, uh, Jonah was in the bell the belly of the whale at most three days and three nights and then the whale spit him out and that is the key um, similarity is that he came out Mm -hmm. and so jesus would be in the grave at most three days and three nights because it's not unusual if somebody dies they're in a grave one day two days three days four days five days they're in the grave for a hundred days and then (laughs) etc but if somebody comes out of the grave at most after three days, if that's the limit is the three days, it's not that he had to be in there three full days. Mm. It's the idea that there was a limit he was going to come out before uh, number four. Okay. All right. Thank you, Sister Debbie. Thank you for making that comment tonight. God bless you. We'll see you soon. <laughs> and um, Thanks, Debbie. Uh, okay. I love that passage, by the way, in Matthew 28, where it says... Jesus met them Mm. in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 10, where Jesus met them. And that's that's the reality of the resurrection, Mm -hmm. is that Jesus is alive. And just like Jesus met them, dear friend, Jesus can meet you if you will call to him if you will ask him to come to you and be your Savior. So give us a call if we could help you at all at 929-333-3739. So now, Danielle, we're moving ahead in the, in the timeline to Matthew 28, verse 11 through 15, and here we see the Roman soldiers protect themselves if you could please read that okay so it says now when they were going behold some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done and when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel they gave large money unto the soldiers saying say ye his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept and if this come to the governor's ears we will persuade him and secure you so they took the money and did as they were taught and this saying is commonly reported among the jews until this day so, it's interesting, the elders did not want this news to get out. And mm-hmm. the soldiers, these Roman soldiers, they were so afraid that they agreed to lie. And they were also paid lying to say that Jesus' disciples stole his body in the mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so money speaks. And money will lead people to do things that they know aren't even true Mm -hmm. in order to get rich. Mm -hmm. And so that's what these soldiers do. And another thing about the intent of these elders here is they're trying to control the narrative. Mm -hmm. And they know that if they could get a lie out, if you could get a lie out and get it out there quickly, and so that when people hear that lie, oh, oh, they'll just believe it. Oh, the body of Jesus was stolen. That was the lie they wanted. That was the narrative that they wanted to create. And people would hear that and believe it. So then when they believe the truth, mm-hmm. they'll say, oh, no, no, that no, that can't happen. His body was stolen. That's mm-hmm. what I heard already. Yeah. So they'll believe the lie first mm-hmm. and get the lie to spread. And so that's to this day what the unsaved people want to do with the truth. They want to get the lie and control the narrative. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
Let's continue here, um, Daniel, to follow up on that. Should we be surprised? I kind of answered a little bit, but what do you think? You tell me what you think. I think it should be surprising because something that amazing had happened. I think it's something that should definitely be shared about. But because of man's wickedness, the Bible does say that the heartful is deceitful above all things. It's natural to deny the truth, especially if a person would benefit from it. Yeah, so it's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Do you think it is surprising or not surprising that the, that the guards would lie? No. You don't think no. it? Yeah, it, it is not surprising, no. Because, remember, these were the same kind of guys who were gambling for the garments of Jesus Christ as well. I mean, they just, they were always looking to get money on the side. You know, the, and, and, and the, the Gospels also give indication of that in, in other places. So now we're heading to the end here. And Nana, if you could read for us Luke, we're in chapter 24, verses 9 through 11, if you could please comment on that as well. And returned from the sepulchre, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told them these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. So many people believe that this detail is proof that the Gospels are true mm-hmm. because otherwise the writers never would have included it because in that culture, women were not considered reliable witnesses and yet Jesus appeared to them first. This explains why the disciples believe that the women were telling idle tales. Mm-hmm. Also, it may be that Peter and John didn't believe them because earlier they went to the tomb and did not see the angels or Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly true, is that men may have had a difficult time believing women, but God entrusted his resurrection to Mary first. Mm -hmm. And that really does put honor upon women. And women have been used by God in such great ways throughout church history. And this is a prime example of of how God used women, even to stand up to the men, kind of deriding them and saying, oh, their words seem to them as idle tales. And I, and I looked that word up recently, and it just means it, it, nonsense. Mm. But it wasn't nonsense. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is truth, dear friends. And so, Micah, if you could continue that reading in Luke chapter 24, verse 12. Yeah, then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at which was come to pass. So this is the second time that Peter went to the tomb, and this time he goes without John. And he gets there, he beholds the linen cloth again, and leaves without seeing Jesus. But we know from later in this chapter, in the same chapter of Luke, that Peter must have finally encountered Jesus on his way back. Because in verse 34, which we haven't gotten to yet, it says, When those two disciples from Emmaus, they run back and make their report, they find the apostles, and the apostles are talking, and they're saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon, meaning Peter. Um, Also, we have the evidence of 1 Corinthians 15.5, of Paul, who knew Peter very well, and he said that Jesus was seen of Cephas, meaning Peter, and then later the other apostles. Right, and again, if, if I'll make the point, Peter sees the grave clothes in the tomb because there wasn't an angel, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so this is the only other reference to the grave clothes other than in John's Gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay, Danielle, if you could read, continuing Luke twenty four thirteen, or make a comment about that. Okay, so um, uh, Jesus joins two men as they head away from Jerusalem. 
and it's noted that um, their eyes were restrained but as they were speaking with Jesus but later the two the two people's eyes were open and they realized that the man's voice the man they were speaking to was Jesus thank you and Nancy we don't have a lot of time but in Luke 24 33 to 43 what happened there so in that passage, Jesus appears to a larger group of people consisting of 11 apostles and other disciples. And he basically verified that he is flesh and bones. Mm. And that pretty much concludes the end of Resurrection Day. He shows up multiple, multiple times after that, but at least for the Resurrection Day, those were the events that transpired. Handle me and see, for flesh and bones do not, uh, that he showed he had flesh and bones alive from the dead. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord. Get your education at a university that is career-driven and Christ-minded. Since 1971, Liberty's mission of training champions for Christ has been the foundation for its exceptional academic and NCAA Division I athletic programs. With over 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty University can help you take the first step toward the future you've been dreaming of. Learn more by texting EXPLORE to 49596. Again, that's EXPLORE to 49596.